0: Hey, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday. Pastor Mike, we're back. It's Man, been, excited to be back. Yeah, it's been a long break. We said we'd start back in January. I know it's February, but um, you were sick for like three weeks. I had no so.
1: voice, so I, I apologize. Yeah,
0: we can't really do a podcast with uh,
1: no voice, right? Unless you want to do a monologue, so.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think people want to listen to me for 20 minutes, <laughs> so... But hey, we had a we had a question come in this week that I thought would be really important to address, and I think a lot of Christians want to know what you think of this, specifically in our church, and that is, how does the church address outsiders? Um, I think the church traditionally has maybe not done the best job with this, specifically in the South in the United States, but uh, really, how should we as Christians address outsiders coming in?
1: I think it's a great question, and... My answer to this question has always been that we look at Jesus, and I know that sounds cliche, but I think he models it so well for us in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, and what he does is he meets her exactly where he is, and this is a woman who um, later is revealed that she is, you know, living in sin, she's on like her fifth dude, and all this kind of stuff, and yet we see Jesus lead with love, and he goes after her heart, uh, before he gets to that whole element. And so I think for us as a church, the way we uh, embody that is we always want to lead with love. And so we, we lead with heart conversations. And so one of the things that I say specifically this is we're, we're actually not concerned at your activity externally. Um, that's not the place that we're going to start. That's not what we're going after. Um, we're not called to judge. We're not called to condemn. Uh, all of that. We're going after the heart. And I think Jesus models this really, really well for us. Uh, that even he says in John chapter three, he's like, I didn't come to condemn the world, right, but to save the world. And so I think we get this beautiful model of uh, of Jesus and the way he interacts with this woman that he doesn't breathe words of condemnation, but he breathes words of life to her. And so that's what we want to be about as well.
0: Yeah. So I really want to get practical because I think that's really good. And I don't know how many people have actually heard it articulated that way. Um, because just in my experience, I think the church traditionally has done a lot of leading with action. Like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Stop doing this and then we can worry about your salvation. But really Jesus's model is the opposite. So what would you say as practical advice to Christians who are having conversations with non-believers as to how they should approach it that way?
1: One of the things that's big is leading with the the love leading with love not the law and pra- practically the way that plays out because that sounds great, you know, okay, lead with love, not the law. What does that yeah. even mean? Practically the way that that plays out is we're shelving the activity and we're having conversations about the heart. So let me give you a practical example. If somebody's sleeping with their girlfriend, sleeping with their boyfriend, whatever, um, my the issue that I'm addressing with them, if I know they're not a Christian, is not, hey, you need to stop sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend. My issue with them that I want to take up is, who is Jesus to you? And where is your heart in all this? Like, where is your heart when, as it relates to Jesus? And what's your belief system? Like, That's where I want to approach this, because what I never want to communicate to somebody is, if you stop sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend, then you are now okay. Or then you are now saved. Right. And I think for so long, the church has done that. And that's why we lean toward moralism.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not really, we don't want to, we don't want to treat or disciple people towards a belief that their actions actually influence their standing before God. Cause that's right. just, that's just not true. And I think where people get in their minds, cause the rebuttal from a lot of Christians, I think would be, well, the Bible, Jesus does say to judge righteously, but we would say, would you be comfortable saying that's talking about addressing Christians? Because I wanted to parse this out a little bit of yeah, how we address Christians who absolutely. are sinning, like in sin, versus non believers who are basically just acting like non believers. It shouldn't be a surprise, right?
1: Yeah, I think 1 Corinthians 5 answered this for us very clearly. You've got a guy who's sleeping with his dad's wife, and Paul's right to the church in Corinth, and he addresses this right out the jump. And, you know, he says, listen, um, you know, this guy that's in your church that's doing this, Uh, judge him, kick him out, and then he says "He says a caveat, I'm not calling you to judge those outside the church. He's calling you to judge those that are in the church. And so he's very clear on this. And so I think for us, it's a great uh, model to say, yeah, inside the church, sure, we want to look at the fruit and say, man, we got to work back to the root here. There's some gaps in your fruit that you're producing. We've got to work back to the root. When we're talking about the non-Christian, the goal is not to come at them with judgment. The goal is not to come at them with with condemnation. The goal is to come at them and say, where is your heart ultimately?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me, I forget is it Acts 15 where uh, Luke writes, don't make it hard for the Gentiles to come uh, come to faith? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of to this point, like, especially in churches, when we have non-believers maybe walking in or we have conversations, what would be advice to members of Image Church that are having these conversations of practical advice of how to... Ask heart questions, not action questions.
1: I think part of it's just avoiding the action in general. Like a lot of times we get all like our feathers ruffled because a non-Christian is acting like a non-Christian. I think we've got to be less surprised by non-Christians acting like non-Christians, you know? And I think if we can get to that point and say, okay, this doesn't surprise me that you're talking like this, that you're living like this. um, And we're able to kind of compartmentalize that and say, okay, man, where are you at spiritually? You know, I, I'm not concerned about your activity right now. I want where are you at? What is your spiritual story? What is your spiritual journey? Um, who is Jesus to you? And that's where you start to get to those hard questions where you're avoiding, you know, talking about the activity. And I think for so long, the church has projected the activity don't do this, don't do that, you know, and we've done it with broad strokes. In fact, we got a story of a guy in our church that he was attending church, had got tattoos, and the church shunned him for it. And he's like, I'm out of here. I'm never, I'm never coming foot again. And by God's grace, he's a part of our church, got saved, and it's been a great story. But it was very much an, an external judgment that took place that caused this issue for him.
0: Yeah, no, and we we definitely don't want to be about that here at Image Church. I think the thing is that many churches have flipped them on their heads, like we've said previously. What about for uh, people who are coming into churches and they're hearing, should we tailor our preaching to that? Because nonbelievers are attending um, but you're also preaching to Christians. so how 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 do you view that in the model of the church?
1: I think we've got a great model in uh, when we look at the the, the church in uh, the New Testament, as it was forming, I think one of the beauties of how God even established the church is there's something called the Court of the Gentiles. And the court of the Gentiles was, and by the way, a Gentiles, anybody that's not a blood Jew. So basically, probably most people listen to this podcast, right? are, are Gentiles. <laughs> yeah. So welcome if you didn't know that. Uh, but there was a court of the Gentiles. so if you were if you're not Jewish by blood, um, you were allowed to a certain place in the temple, and it was cool because you could stand there and watch what was happening in the temple. So watching what the Jews were doing, watching how they were worshiping God. Remember, God chose the Jews as a means by which to reveal himself to the world. And right. so this is a part of that element, right? The way that they're practicing, the way that they're they're living and worshiping. So the court of the Gentiles was there so the Gentiles could actually come and watch and look in. So to apply that practically today, do we holistically cater our preaching to the outsider? No, but I think we need to be sensitive that the outsider is watching Paul talks about this again in Corinthians, where he says um, that he talks about how when people come in and they watch the elements and they watch things happen, they could see they should see that there's something different going on here. And so we we do want to draw a distinction that it looks different going into uh, an Atlanta Falcons game than it does walking into an Image Church worship service, right? Like there's a distinction between the two because we believe in the one true God that we're here to worship. Right. So there's definitely a sensitivity that those non Christians are there. And there's always a gospel application, right? So for the Christian or non, the the answer is still the same. It's rest and trust in the finished work of Jesus. There's always going to be a gospel application to that uh, outsider that's there as well.
0: Yeah, but, but you wouldn't not address certain topics because it may be more action focused to the believer, correct?
1: Right, yeah, I mean, and and part of that, too, is, right, we we want people, again, to come in and see, like, okay, why are they about these things? And they're going to hear, when I preach, they're going to hear heart and hands. Right. So they're going to see if there's a gap in the action, it's a gap in where the heart is. And so even as a non-Christian that's walking in and saying, man, I I feel like there's this, uh, they're being compelled to do X, well, the way that we're compelled, you know, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, is that the love of God compels us, right? right. This is the goal, you know? And so um, that, that's really what we're after. And so if you're a non-Christian that walks in, you're an outsider that walks in, the hope is that you really see that clearly that we, again, we say this a lot, identity drives activity. So we're always going to harp on the identity that then drives the activity. And if you flip those two things, what you have is moralism. And, and that's how our world operates, right? They right. say, hey, your activity actually is who you are. And Christianity is the opposite of that. It says, listen, um, your identity is not in what you do, but in who's done it for you.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think that this is hopefully helpful for Christians listening because interacting with nonbelievers is something we're called to do. Um, But I think a lot of Christians get psyched out about having these conversations because just frankly, in the culture we live in, um, people are kind of hostile towards Christians because of maybe stigmas of the past of how... Um, they've done what we're talking about and not led with heart, but led with action. Um, and so giving the framework for people to talk through, Hey, talk about the heart, Talk about who Jesus is is a framework that we do here at Image Church, but I think it's a helpful framework for anyone that's a Christian that does desire to see people come to know Jesus, right?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, and I would go a little bit further to say too, as it relates to to how we think through this, we desire for the outsider to be present at our gathering. Yeah, we desire for the outsider to be present in our community groups. We we want to right. If Jesus's call in John 15 is that the world will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another, that means that we have to be disciples in the world together. And so the world's got to be around that love. They got to be around those kind of disciples to see that. So we definitely want and are ready for those that walk in who are very far from God. And for us, the goal is in our sermons, in our worship, it's it's not breathing uh, words of condemnation or judgment, but it's speaking the truth in love. And those things work together, right? Like Jesus does this again, go back to John 4, the woman at the well. Yeah. When he When he addresses her, he definitely gives her the truth but he does it with love, and I feel like we have a culture now that, like, there's this camp where it's like, give them truth, and just just punch them in the mouth with truth. When I look at Jesus, the only people that he does that with is the religious, who are actually hypocrites, and he's calling that out. When you look at all the outsiders that he deals with, with the, the, the woman at the well, and, and there's many other stories, the woman that puts perfume on his feet, he doesn't meet any of them with that kind of give them truth, right? He meets them with love.
0: Yeah, and that, that application point from Jesus' actions— do fit with even Paul's later teaching to judge people in the church, not people outside, because the Pharisees would, at that time, would have been the people, quote-unquote, in the church, right? And they should have known the law, and yet were hypocrites. But the people, yeah, like you said, the woman at the well who um, is an outsider to to anyone, Jesus doesn't. But he does, he does say truth. He Absolutely. says, hey, you're, you know, you're, you're sleeping with, you know, all these people, right? The man you're with is not
1: currently right either. Right. And you've had five. Yeah. You know? So he does absolutely. But do he that. doesn't
0: lead with, hey, this is wrong. You need to stop doing this right now. And but he he hits her with the heart and says, hey, yeah, I can give you stuff that life that, that you, you, you can't find in what you're looking for at the, at these, you know, different men.
1: Yeah. And you said this earlier, you had alluded to this about, you know, practically, I think, again, Jesus model in John four is so great because he says, ultimately, Hey, what you're looking for that you can't find in all these other places, I can give to you. Yeah, that's The good. greatest need that you have, the thing that you're thirsty for, I am the living water. I will always make sure that you're full, that you're nourished, that you're fulfilled. This is what he's doing. That's going after her heart, right? He's he's looking at the felt need that she has of like, man, I desire uh, right. affirmation and, and and whatever with through these men, uh, or, or sustainability, whatever it is, and he's like, hey, all those things will fail you. Ultimately, what you want, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for the water that I can give. And she's so confused, because she's like, what do you mean by that? And it's it's like, then he proceeds to get to the point. And then the beauty from this, and this is what I love about this passage, she becomes one of the greatest advocates for him, yeah, one of the greatest missional advocates for him in that entire city. And so we see the beauty of the transformation that happens in her.
0: Yeah, I just, playing this out in my head, I hear the objection from people to John 4 as a model, and the objection is, well, I'm not Jesus. You know, I can't know everything about a person to be able to anticipate and to winsomely say, you know, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. I know blah, 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 blah. I think something helpful for us to talk about is actually how practically that is. And I think there's two things out of this one, having a personal testimony to know, you know, Hey, I was looking for this before I was a Christian, but I, I I was looking for it in all the wrong places and I found it in Jesus. And this is what changed in my life. Because personal testimony, I've seen this in my life, is something that even a non-Christian will not argue with you on your personal testimony. Mm -hmm. I've rarely seen that happen of like, well, that can't be true for you. If you speak to your experience, even the world outside will say, no, we can't really argue with your personal experience. And so I think that's something to address. But any other practical tips as to how we can use John 4 as a model, but also realize that we're not Jesus. And that's a very isolated scenario during his time on earth that we're we're not that.
1: Yeah, I think a big piece of it is always looking for um, the felt need or the brokenness, right? So when people are living a certain lifestyle or a certain way that we would say is counter to the Christian life, we're not addressing the activity, but we're allowing the activity to help inform us on what their need is, and where their, where their heart is longing for, and then from that, we work to the gospel. So if somebody's like, you know, relationship after relationship after relationship, hookup after hookup after hookup, right? Like, we're seeing that. We're not going like, oh, you're hooking up with all these people. We're going, there's a felt need there. There's a desire for intimacy. There's a, do- a desire for love that's, that's unconditional. There's yep. a desire for acceptance. Right. So then we are able to parse through the heart on that and be like, man, I want to talk to you about who Jesus is and how he meets all of those things. How he can give you the unconditional love that you're looking for, the acceptance that you've always wanted, right? The identity that you're longing for through but you're looking in all these different places. So we do allow the the activity to help shape our uh, evaluation of where we're going to press on the heart. We're not using the activity to hold over their head, and I think it's a very key distinction. And Jesus again, the John 4 model is he, he has a framework for what's going on with her, and he's using that framework to be able to ask those specific heart questions.
0: Yeah, I think with the woman at the well, and I think this is true for most people, the woman at the well was willing to listen to Jesus because she knew he loved her. He was, he was She felt that this this man standing in front of me really does love me. He cares for me. Um, and I think for people who are abrasive to Christianity or don't necessarily believe, um, they need to know that Jesus loves them first. And then we can start talking about the, Hey, Jesus loves you. And Jesus promises to meet your need for acceptance. He, it's unconditional acceptance through the gospel. And then the rest is a, is a process through discipleship. And I think that's important to touch on here is that we're not advocating that every interaction with a non-Christian where you uh, use what we've talked about in this podcast, may, that conversation won't play out the same as the woman at the well. That was one time. And obviously we're not Jesus. But it's a relational thing that can happen over time that hopefully leads to gospel transformation, right?
1: Yeah, and the irony is, to go back to the beginning of how the story starts, even the fact that Jesus asked her for water at the middle of the day was countercultural. It was right. radical. It would have been like, what the heck are you doing talking to her? And so you, you contrast that against how the Pharisees approached people, and you do see this unique countercultural approach that is bathed in love. And so, yeah, I think relationship is a huge part of it. I think winsomeness as you navigate the relationship. But the goal is, and where we started this podcast, is not so much a specific framework to walk through right. in these conversations, but the desire for outsiders and how we are called to engage with them. And it's leading with love, right? It's grace and truth. Right. It's it's lo- love over law. Um, you know, That's where we're going. Heart conversations over activity. Because what we want them to see is that their identity starts... Everything for them. Identity comes first. Activity comes later. And when we flip that, all we become is just like the Pharisees that are moralistic, and we're about the outside, and we're about conformity. And conformity is very easy, right? I mean, this is the beauty of when you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as living sacrifice. And this is, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, right? Conformity is easy. That's just take things and, you know, it's mechanical change and add them onto your life or tweak them. I mean, like, transformation is something that starts at the inside. So that's the, the framework that helps guide our conversations, that we're going after that transformation that only right. God can bring, but God brings it through the Holy Spirit uh, through our mouths. And so as right. we engage with people, we don't want to lead with conformity, right? We want to lead with transformation.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. And hopefully that's been helpful for our listeners. Um, Just a few housekeeping items before we wrap up. Um, We're going to start releasing the podcast on Fridays. Uh, We'll record them through the week, but we'll we used to release on Thursdays. We're going to release on, on Fridays. Um, but please, if you have any questions, please send those in. We'd love to talk uh, through them. Uh, this was a, certainly a question that came up that uh, I hope helped people navigate dealing with outsiders as Christians. Uh, but send those questions in to us at at imageatl.com and we'll talk to you next Friday.